This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. Listeners, I am very excited to welcome a new guest to the show. And you know what? Our topic today is going to be so fascinating. I think you're going to just listen to this episode over and over again. <laughs> um, but at the time of recording, um, this is a super exciting week at Brightly. So our second annual sustainability trends report just went live, uh, where our team of experts, along with industry veterans, reveal their predictions for how the sustainability space is going to evolve over the next year. Um, so you can view the full report by um, going to brightly.eco. But in this episode, we're going to give you a sneak peek of one of those trends. Um, and so you know, one of those trends is all about the death care industry's sustainable evolution. So very fascinating topic. Um, you might have already listened to our past episode about human composting, but there's also another eco-friendly alternative to, to a traditional burial that's on the rise. Um, and, and this one is called aquamation, which is a water-based alternative to flame cremation. So this week, I'm really excited to uh, welcome Mallory Green. She's the co-founder and CEO at Irene, which is offering aquamation services in Canada. So welcome, Mallory. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to chat about all things aquamation. Absolutely. So I wonder if you could get us started by just uh, telling us a little bit about your background and what led you to found your company. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a background in tech. So I previously worked at a company called Wealth Simple. It was a quite successful or still is a successful fintech company, um, joined straight out of university and spent five years there really in various roles. And throughout my time, really always knew that my ultimate goal was to launch my own business. And so was always really in search of an industry that I felt made sense for me, something that I had a deep understanding of and that I felt that there was a really interesting problem to solve. And I happen to be the daughter of a funeral director. My mom is also a hospice nurse and so have really grown up around end-of-life care and specifically death care. And just through conversations specifically with my dad, I just recognized that the industry was changing and evolving in terms of customers' needs, but the industry itself wasn't changing. I mean, it's it's an industry that's remain, remained like relatively unchanged for the past 100 years. Um, and if you look at trends over the next 10, 20, 50 years, there's so many significant changes happening, whether because they just have to, like in, in terms of some of our practices just not being sustainable anymore um, and not being possible. Mm -hmm. But also just, as I said, I mean, customers' needs are changing and and uh, generations have different desires. So that's what got me kind of interested in the space. And I felt that my connection to funeral services, combination with um, my, I guess, my background in tech, it, it felt like the 
felt like a good person to kind of take on the the problem of of uh, I shouldn't say the problem of death care, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just the, in terms of the changes that that needed that I feel need to occur. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we could still call it a problem. I mean, the problem is, For sure. you know, we as a society um, in a world have been disposing of bodies specific ways for, you know, ever since we were around, right? Ever since the beginning of time. And throughout history, we've had different ways that that has, you know, transpired. And I would say there's definitely been, you know, more eco-friendly options compared to not less eco-friendly options. Um, And actually, before we get into aquamation specifically, let's just talk about that. Let's talk about the environmental impact of the funeral industry, Um, and why these eco-friendly alternatives are so needed. Um, So, you know, before I talk about like actual cremation, I think one thing that my husband and I are constantly talking about is the amount of space that traditional land-based burials take up um, in our urban centers. And so, you know, and there is obviously nothing the matter with people being buried in in, in the earth and and all those things. But I think the thing that continues to stick out to me is in, in areas where there's just prime real estate devoted yeah. um, to this, we end up with situations where, you know, those spaces could be better used for, um, you know, more equal opportunity housing or parks or things like that. And they, um, you know, right now they're just kind of sitting more or less unused um, by folks yep. that have not been around for, you right. know, sometimes hundreds of years. So I'm curious to know your thoughts on that one too. And we'll talk obviously about cremation yeah. and stuff. <laughs> no, this is my, uh, no, I, I mean, I could go on and on about all of these topics. So um, what's interesting is if you look at some parts of the world, they have started mandating hundred percent cremation and in large part, because we are running out of cemetery space. I think obviously Canada has so much land, so maybe not in that situation yet. Um, but I mean, in China, somewhere that's been historically burying um, the deceased, I believe the Chinese government, as of a few years ago, has mandated mandated 100% cremation. I mean, they just genuinely mm. don't have the space um, for it. And I know London in the UK, I think it's like five to 10 years, they'll run out of cemetery space. I think there's the combination of Cemeteries have been very poorly planned. Um, yes. And then also, I think, I mean, just in terms of our, our population size, they, I mean, that kind of goes hand in hand. They just haven't been planned for that case. And there are some, I know there's some interesting concept of, I mean, whether like I've seen something like a floating burial ground or, and there's, I mean, there's so many things that are being thrown around, but I do think that, um, because we no longer, most of us no longer live and die where we grew up, there is just like a natural shift away from burial overall. And I think a part of it is because of, we just like genuinely don't have space, but also, um, yeah, I think it's just like, it's a cost factor and, um, well, just, there's less sentimentality that you're, oh, you're for mentioning, sure. right? Yes. Which, and actually that's a really, that's an interesting piece that I had never thought about, which is, yeah, I mean, traditionally, right. Like back when, you know, many, many years ago when folks were, you know, yes, living and dying in the same space, it probably made a little bit more sense to say like, hey, this is where I, you know, occupied, you know, 99% of my life. But you're right. I mean, I think a lot of us, you know, in in these sort of modern generations have moved around a lot, then it becomes kind of this weird, like, well, yeah, would I be buried like where I was born, even though right. I moved away? And yeah, yeah. it's kind of And an I don't feel that piece. sentimental. I mean, I even had this conversation with my parents recently about they want to be cremated, but they were talking about um, burying their cremated remains. And I like, yeah, I mean, it's an ongoing discussion of like, I, I would prefer that not to be the case because 
then I just feel like they're static to one area. And ultimately it is just a, a preference, but I do think um, that shift. And I mean, honestly, there's some parts of the world that are considering recycling graves and some parts that already mm. do. And so that is a factor to keep in mind that, I mean, 50 to 100 years from now will be from a cemetery's perspective and a definitely a different place. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I think it makes a, a ton of sense. And I, you know, from my perspective, you know, I would always thought about it in the terms of like urbanization. Um, but you're right. I mean, there, there are so many places that just don't physically have the space anymore to to have these traditional no. sort of earth-based burials. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, I guess, the most common uh, type of burial after this land-based burial, which is cremation, right? And most of us think about that. And so um, so mm-hmm. each cremation requires typically about 30 gallons of fuel, which is enough to drive from LA to San Francisco and back. Yeah. Um, and it emits over 530 pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Um, so again, when we, we talk about these topics on this podcast, we're not saying, I mean, sometimes there's clear winners and clear losers, but there's always going to be nuances and things to trade-offs to consider. And so one thing that we're talking about right now is, okay, we've said of course. land-based burials is taking up a lot of space and like, you know, some places you can't even do them anymore. So now you as a consumer are going through this thought process and you're thinking, okay, what are my options? And so when we think about cremation, obviously, you know, yeah. the body's disposal in this way does lend itself to being, um, you know, you're obviously taking up less space. So we're not saying that this is like necessarily the most, the worst situation. It's, it's not, but we're wanting to give you the, the um, information. And so I'm curious a little bit about like this, the carbon footprint around just like traditional flame-based creation, which I'm sure you know a ton about. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not good. And I think what the interesting part of I mean, just not necessarily the interesting part of death care, but the reality of that people not knowing a lot of this information is because no one wants to talk about death, right? And so the industry as a whole has really been sheltered from kind of the impact that we have on the environment and society as a whole. I mean, um, even just small decisions, like we always talk about kind of small decisions that you can make if, if cremation is the disposition that you are choosing. And, and I'm not in the, I'm not in the game of like telling people which one is better or, or worse. I mean, I think that in every aspect of life, we can make small decisions that, um, do better for the environment. And and cremation is even one of those, right? So I know we, um, like talking about embalming, for example, when you think about embalming, I mean, that's historically been a process for, I mean, initially it was created to bring back, um, like veterans and, and army people from overseas during the war. And so, um, that was really to preserve and even just kind of like politicians and others. And, when you think of cremation, I mean, it, that's really not necessary. Um, it, I mean, embalming is, is once again a preference, but it's, it's not yeah. something that's necessary. And I mean, there are a lot of harmful chemicals that are involved with embalming as a whole. And also it's just an added cost for families. And so I think there's little decisions. Embalming is definitely one of them. Um, I think even the, the container that you choose, if you were to choose cremation or burial, um, Obviously, the more expensive a container is, probably the more amount of wood that it's taken, even kind of the metal pieces. If you choose to be cremated and and it has metal metal pieces on your casket, I mean, those get honestly are just sold for scraps. Like there is there's parts that you can choose a cardboard container or maybe just a simple pine. Like there's a lot of decisions that people can make. And I think when you look at the grand scheme of 
how many people are going to be dying over the next 10 years and what that impact will be. I mean, it's so significant, but once again, people don't really want to think about that. So whether you choose to go with something like aquamation or, um, as you, as you were talking about human composting, or you just choose to make decisions that are slightly better when it comes to burial or cremation. I think to start having these conversations is, is critically important. The last thing I'll say that's really interesting is that um, there's data out there. And it's funny because every time I talk about anything in the sustainability world of, of funeral services, I always get an angry email from someone, but oh, um, <laughs> there's a data out there that if you have like a, if you have like a metal um, hip implant or something of that nature, if you have any type of implant in your body and you choose green burial, it's actually more sustainable to choose cremation in that capacity um, over green burial, which I think is once again, one of those things that people just don't know of. Um, and so just understanding kind of the impact of your decisions and yeah. And as I said, like whether you make a, a, a big gesture to go out how you see fit or just kind of make small decisions that definitely reduce your carbon footprint. I think that's, that's the key here. And so when you say green burial, define that for me again. Yeah. So a green burial is the easiest way to put it is just like a really simplified burial, right? So you don't have, um, like it's not in the kind of concrete, um, uh, what I can't remember that there's a name for it, but I can't remember what it is. Um, just like a structure, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like it's not, it's like you're, you're being buried naturally in the ground. Uh, usually you're in a shroud instead of a actual casket. You haven't been embalmed. Like it's just a very, natural burial to be honest and um it's interesting because green burial is legal in a lot of parts of canada but there's actually not necessarily green burial cemeteries in every part of canada Mm. um so it's it's interesting i think i mean we can talk about this later is like this this conversation of like what's legalized but also like what the the industry actually provides in terms of choice yeah. is still very limited, right? Like they haven't caught up to each other, but we can we can talk about that. That's a bit so later. interesting. Yeah, no, no, and and that was something that I just wanted to wanted to um, talk about, which is yes, this quote unquote green burial would probably be what our ancestors did, right? Um, and and they didn't have all these other things around exactly. them. Now some people did, obviously the Egyptians <laughs> and other other folks. But um, that yes, that is exactly what I was going to yes. ask you is is so so interesting. So um, you mentioned a little bit. Well, before we talk, I think we'll we're, we're about to get into you know aquamation because I think it's so interesting. But the, the last question I really had was around um, embalming and specifically like the chemicals. Like I would imagine. The chemicals used to embalm people are probably insanely just strong and not great. And, and when we're looking this up, like, you know, it's the average in the U S specifically, the embalming process uses over 4 million gallons of embalming fluid annually, and it leaches harmful chemicals into the soil. So, I mean, like, what is all that about? Like, it just seems like really toxic to me. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I have a, a twofold funny story about this. So one is that if you if you meet a lot of funeral directors, including my dad, they often don't have a good sense of smell. Like my dad can't smell anything. Mm. Um, and that's because of years of working with embalming fluids. Um, but I actually, I was at one of the facilities we work with recently and walked into a room and an embalming had just finished. Um, and we don't do embalming at Irene, but um, they were working with another client and an embalming had just concluded and 
everyone in the room was entire, like totally fine. And my eyes were on fire. Like I, there was water pouring out of my eyes because I, I mean, I've just never really been around. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's like the easiest way to tell you, um, they are harmful chemicals. I mean, es- essentially they're, yeah, they're meant to preserve a body, right? So they'd have to be pretty intense. Yeah. Um, I do think, I actually don't know if it's statistic around how many people today choose embalming, but it's, I would say it's on the decline, to be honest, because even from a perspective of if, if our families want to view their loved one before we, we choose do cremation or aquamation, refrigeration often for a short period of time is, is sufficient. Embalming isn't necessarily always required. Um, if you still want some type of viewing, um, refrigeration can also be this, uh, a similar effect. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, even when you think about embalming, when you ship, um, if you die in Mexico and want to ship back to Canada and, or anywhere in the world, a lot of places now actually don't even mandate embalming for the shipment. So I think that's just once again, showing there is definitely a move away from it. Um, but it's really so deeply ingrained in funeral services. Like embalming is something that oftentimes you'll be asked to do. It's not a legal requirement by any means though. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, it's certainly on the decline, I'd say like in terms of like what is socially acceptable. Like I feel like there was a period of time where everybody was basically on display like that. And I think most folks nowadays like don't want to cause that probably because they they themselves had to deal with you know traumatic experience as children um but I would also right you know just just yeah. say that for, from my perspective um it, it definitely seems like it's on the decline so let's talk a little bit about like um about your process which is called acclimation so um I wonder if you can explain to us like what it is mm-hmm. and sort of like what process um is is under is, is happening yeah. at, as this as it works Yeah, absolutely. So aquamation, we always say, is a sustainable water-based alternative to flame cremation. Um, and it's funny because, I mean, what the what you describe is always very different from the actual like scientific aspect of what's occurring. Aquamation can also be known as alkaline hydrolysis. That's the scientific term. Aquamation, I think, is actually the like marketing term for it. Um, but uh, the easiest way to describe it is um, instead of a flame, it's water. It's 95% water and 5% lye in um, kind of like the steel vessel. Um, and it's a, that combination of lye and heat from the water that essentially breaks down your organic materials. So very similar to what would happen if, I mean, as we were talking about green burial, if you were to naturally decompose in the earth, um, it's basically that, but sped up over three to four hours. That's usually the standard time that an aquamation occurs. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the process itself in terms of what you get back, very similar to cremated remains. So after the process is complete, there will be bones that come out of um, the machine and those bones, because they're wet, they do have to be dried. And then the, the dried bones are then essentially pulverized into what you think of as cremated remains. Um, so very similar kind of, and it's more of a powder than an ash, but um it's whiter in nature, generally speaking, a bit heavier in volume, um, okay. but not not too different. I mean, you, you're getting the exact same outcome in terms of being able to put it in an urn or, or spread them or, or whatever you see fit. 
So, so that I think is what was so interesting for me as we're looking into the process. Like you're right. When somebody talks about disposal of bodies via water, what's the first thing you think of? You think of like being liquefied. And I know that sounds terrible, but that is a hundred percent where my mind goes and where it's always all I get is, yeah, it's always breaking bad. I always hear breaking bad. I haven't seen breaking bad, but that's always the reference. I think the, the big thing here is it's not acid, it's lye, right? So it's really breaking down. It's almost like a salt compound. Um, yeah. It's not like an acid, but um, for sure, the initial reaction always like, it's not, they're like, that sounds is not very nice. I've seen the process. I think it's actually really, really nice. You can be wrapped in um, anything that will break down organically. So I mean, silk, anything of that nature. And um, I mean, it's like a, a very even flow water. It's, it's pretty nice, honestly. It's what I've yeah. chosen for myself. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it sounds great. But yes, I mean, you're right. I ha- I've seen Breaking Bad a few times. They definitely get those, uh, <laughs> those images happening in my in my head. Um, and then like, yeah, I mean, then it's like, yeah, then there's like a drain and then like, bye bye. You know, it's, it's funny. I mean, and, and it is. But I think what's interesting yes. when we hear about the process that you've explained is you're actually left with a solid more or less, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're yeah. left with solids from the, from the bone material. Um, and so yes. what I think is interesting is it's not that somebody now has to have, if they'd like to hang on to remains, it's not like they have to have like a liquid vessel. I mean, it truly could just be, you know, placed back in a typical cremation urn. So it's really interesting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, the the interesting feedback I always get is, as you said, it, it is going down um, the drain. Um, but I think, it, once again, when you're in funeral services, it's one of those things that <laughs> most people don't really want to know. And whether it's aquamation or something else, there are like there are things that are, are occurring and, and going down the drain just as aquamation, right? So it's just a natural part of life. And I think ultimately, once again, it comes down to your personal preferences. I prefer the idea of water over flame. Um, and some people are the opposite. But I do think if I can kind of leave behind in a way that I feel like I'm floating in a nice bed of water and I'm wrapped in silk and and that's exactly what I want, I think that's, yeah, that's just what reflects me the best. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. So as we, we, as you kind of talked a little bit about earlier, let's talk about like the legal um, situation as it relates to any of these types of burials. I mean, so you, so you mentioned, of course, like, you know, the traditional sort of like green burial is legal in some places. It's not legal in others, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure there's like various reasons for that. Um, but yeah. I'm curious to know a little bit more about the maybe regulatory situation you found yourself in with with Aquamation and, and with, with your company. Um, and maybe if you could just talk about the space broadly, that'd be interesting as well. Yeah. I mean, the state of funeral services is interesting because once again, not only do consumers really not want to think about or talk about death, um, that's even seen in, in government and in legislation itself. So especially in Canada, but I mean, even in the States, um, there a lot of the legislation is very old. So it accounts sometimes not even fully for cremation. And in and, and Canada, cremation is 75% of what people choose today, right? And so we still are a few decades behind in terms of how to bring legislation up to present day. And I think that includes the process of aquamation and also the process of um, natural organic reduction. So yeah, so in the US, about just over half of 
the U.S. states have now um, legalized aquamation. And what's interesting about it is it actually doesn't require oftentimes, especially in Canada, I haven't seen that it requires new legislation. It's essentially kind of a um, subset of cremation that they're outlining it. Um, It's definitely legal in far less provinces in Canada. I think about only four or five currently. Um, But I do think there is just, once again, there's, we're working with old legislation and then we're also dealing with um, people's own personal biases towards the process. And then an industry that I mean, has really benefited from burials. The industry itself is still very, um, not opposed, but not keen on cremation, right? It brings down overall revenue quite drastically from what traditional burials have. And so there's all these factors at play that definitely impact the speed at which aquamation and human composting can be legalized. I think, I mean, in terms of human composting, um, you see um, certain businesses and, and leaders who have just really pushed to legalize the process in, in the U.S. And generally, Canada always follows, I find. So hopefully we will see it here uh, eventually, too. But I definitely find like there is a uh, hesitancy to legalize based on yeah. people's bias or just not understanding the actual process. Yeah, that makes total sense. And, I, you know, again, I think unfortunately, what it, what seems to happen with a lot of these initiatives being brought forth either by legislators or voters is, you, you're right, I think mis, um, misunderstanding and miscommunication and, you know, people not understanding what's going on really leads to, I mean, I want to say the death of something. I'm really trying not to make a pun. <laughs> uh, the, de- the death of many, um, you know, specific uh, initiatives that we'd like to, would like to see to fruition. And so I think um, the more that we educate ourselves right. as a society about some of these different, um, you know, alternatives and also thinking through, like, what does it mean to actually upend our misunderstandings on these things is so interesting to me because you're right. I mean, you could yes. you could take yeah. all this at face value and say, oh, my God, uh, you know, people are going to start just, like, dumping, like just remains everywhere or however you want to. Right. And that's just not what's going to (laughs) happen. Right. Yes. No, no. So I actually, I've, uh, I feel like I've made it because I saw a Twitter thread and it was like a conspiracy about how me, I am, um, like basically dumping remains down the drain and it's getting back to the crops or something. And like, I was a part of the conspiracy and I was like, wow, I, that is, that's a deep, yeah. And so that, I think that's always the face value. I think the biggest thing that I've always felt is it's, and I think I said this at the beginning of the podcast, it's not up to me to decide like what's appropriate and what's not appropriate in a disposition. Like I think it's up to consumers and, and they should have choice. They should have choice on, on how, yeah, I mean, how they're memorialized. And so there has to be people like Irene and, and myself and, and other business leaders across North America who really push legislators to provide choice. And I think no one can argue against that, right? So I I know, like, I definitely genuinely believe that aquamation will be legal across all of North America, probably in less than five years, to be honest. Okay. Um, and then it kind of goes back to that conversation earlier, which it, it comes back to then having the people who want to provide it. So like in Ontario, for example, there's only three providers. And so if our families want it, like we do have to charge more because the mile, like we have to bring them much further. There's so so few providers in such a large province. Um, But I do think over time, like we'll just see more facilities and 
Um, it's very hard to open a crematorium now. So yeah. I actually think that like people will be forced to start opening aquamation facilities because you, you just really can't open crematoriums anymore. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There's there's going to possibly be some pressure felt from that perspective in terms of the industry. So super interesting. Well, um, yeah. Mallory, it's been amazing talking with you. I feel like yeah. we, we've we covered a lot. I'm curious to know, before we get into our last question, wondering like a little bit as we as we wrap up the episode, like what do you actually envision the future of death care looking like? I mean, I'm excited about it because I think that we are totally rewriting what it means to be memorialized, what our options are. And I think that's definitely being pushed by generations like mine and, and future generations as well in terms of like every industry has the sustainable kind of lens on it now. I think it's we're like default that you should be thinking about your impact. And I think that's because our generations are the ones that will be impacted 10, 20, 50 years from now. Um, and so I think when I look at death care, I mean, there's so much opportunity to create more unique ways to memorialize. Um, we're kind of moving away from this very cookie cutter approach to death care and memorializing. Um, and then, I mean, as I said, I mean, any new innovations that are occurring have a sustainable lens. Like that's just, there is nothing coming up that's, that's not sustainable at this point. And I think it's just because we know that the industry has to move towards that. So I do think it's going to be, I think it's exciting to be a part of it. And I do think that future generations will have so much more choice, um, on, on how they are memorialized at the end of the day, which I think is super exciting. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I think that, you know, it, to me from, from where I'm sitting, I I'm super excited by the choice. Like you just mentioned, I think just the ability for us to be able to choose different things, to be yep. able to have these conversations with our loved ones and not totally sound like we're, you know, on planet Mars, I think it's just really, really exciting. Um, and actually right. I, I'd say like, speaking <laughs> of being excited, um, you know, I'm curious to know, like, you know, and, and this can be about death care or not. I mean, this can be just about the, um, you know, lifestyle movement that you see going on. Yeah. But in, in, in general, like, what is exciting you the most about what you're witnessing in the ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement going on? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what I said, which is that it's like default, like it's, it's the default now to be sustainable and to want to support ethical businesses. Like, I mean, when I look at, we plant trees for every family that chooses us. And I think once again, like we have to be aware of the fact that cremation is the, uh, the current kind of major disposition, but we also can provide education to help people understand their other options. But it, yes. even from the tree planting trees perspective, it's like families choose us over others because of that, that tiny piece, right? It's, it's important for them to feel that where they are spending their hard-earned money, like really cares and and wants to do better for the world. And so I it's it's exciting to see that because I think, I mean, with capitalism, I mean, it's been like a many, many years of um I think just taking advantage of of the earth and and not really thinking about like what we leave behind. But now it feels like there's just this really big shift happening. Um and, and future generations just like genuinely care. So I, I think overall, like from a business perspective, when I when I put thought into how, like what impact we make and, and how we present ourselves to the world and that resonates with people, I know that like we're all doing something right if that's exactly why people choose us. And, and so I think that element is probably the most exciting, but being default sustainable is, is definitely the way to be. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Well, Mallory, this was so fascinating. Um, listeners, if you're interested in exploring more about the topics we just talked about, we'll have all of these informational links, etc., in our show notes at brightly.eco. Um, but Mallory, just thank you again for the conversation. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.